Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're starting a new series of podcasts we're calling The Parenting Sessions. The series will focus on parenting and raising children and provide practical, real-world advice. We're pleased to be joined by Dr. Rosina McAlpine, an author, parenting expert and CEO of Win-Win Parenting. I hope you enjoy. I'm David Ahern. Welcome to Figuring Out Families. Today we begin a new series with Dr. Rosina McAlpine, who's an author, parenting expert and CEO of Win-Win Parenting. So welcome to our new series, which we are calling our Parenting Sessions, and a special warm welcome to Dr. Rosina. Hi there. Hi there. How are you going? Going really well and really pleased to be able to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. It's lovely to have you on board. Now, our first Parenting Session is on a very interesting term, emotional intelligence. Now, a lot of people would have heard that term, myself included, but not know exactly what it's all about. Perhaps you could give us all an idea. Yeah, the term emotional intelligence um, came about many years ago with some researchers. And, um, but oftentimes, in, you know, in the research world, only academics have access to it. But we were lucky that Daniel Goldman, with his very popular uh, book, Emotional Intelligence Why It Can Be More Important Than IQ, helped us to unpack and put it into the popular. Um, market where everybody could have access. And so what happened was he talked about five domains or five parts of what emotional intelligence are. And so I'll list those and then we can talk about them a little bit, you know, in more detail. And the first one is knowing one's emotions. In other words, being aware of your emotions as they're actually happening. The second aspect of emotional intelligence is managing emotions. You know, handling your emotions and changing them from yeah. the you know from the yes. n- n- more negative to obviously the positive yep. the third aspect is recognizing emotions in others and that's all about empathy you know being aware of others needs you know that's a milestone when people start to recognize you know children start to recognize other people's needs and the fourth one is handling relationships now that's a really big topic oh, i bet oh, i bet <laughs> And that's that interpersonal effectiveness, how good are kids at socialising and interacting with others or adults? Um, And then finally, the last one is motivating oneself. And I know that, you know, during COVID, that's been quite challenging for for people to feel motivation when they've either been, you know, indoors or restricted or away from family and friends. So that's those, those five aspects of emotional intelligence. Okay. And we'll go into those in a bit more detail shortly. But uh, Rosina, why is it so important for parents and children to develop emotional intelligence? Well, the research shows that it actually has a big impact on all areas of a person's life. Now, if you can manage your emotions, if you're aware of them, you can manage them, you're aware of others, obviously you're going to have better interpersonal relationships. That's going to help with your schooling. It's going to help with your social life. It's going to help with family life. So there's so many aspects of emotional intelligence that make a really big difference in a child's and a family's and a community's life success. So that's why we need to focus on it. Do you think enough thought is given to emotional intelligence by people? I think we spend a lot of time on academic intelligence and, you know, rightly so. We go through school and we learn our reading and our writing and our arithmetic, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
Um, but I think those key life skills are not being incorporated as much as they could. We all realise that a child's not going to be able to learn if they're anxious or angry or upset or sad. You know, you have to be in a receptive state to learn. So I think we need to pay a little bit more attention and to treat it in the same way that we would academic intelligence, that little by little, as our children grow from toddlers right through to young children to teenagers, that we give them the skills that will help them to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I, I remember when I was at school many, many years ago, you, you studied things like maths and English, which are all important, but summer life skills just were totally looked over. I guess, you know, 40, 50 years ago, uh, education departments didn't even think about things like that. That's right. Now, um, what age does development of emotional intelligence start or what age could it be developed in children, do you think? So... In the same way that we would, I'll just come back to the known, which is like academic intelligence. So in the same way that when some parents decide to read to their baby when they're still in utero, when they're, you know, pregnant, right? So obviously we're not expecting that our child is going to be born reading, but why we do that is because right from the beginning, hearing the voice, hearing reading, and then when they become, you know, into the world and reading to them, showing them pictures, So that academic intelligence starts right from even before they're born. And we can do the same thing with emotional intelligence. As, uh, you know, parents are calming themselves, uh, learning to be present and mindful, this is all creating neural pathways in the baby as well. So emotional intelligence can start from, you know, even uh, before the baby's born. Goodness. And then obviously as we interact with our child, the calmer we are, the more we help them. So, you know, that whole concept of when babies cry, if we pick them up and calm them, we're showing their bodies, we're showing their brains how to go from heightened emotion, upset, through to calm. And they're practicing it with us. And then when they get to two-year-old and they're like, biscuit, 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 I want biscuit now. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I like exactly. a biscuit myself. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's when we can help as well. So it's all age appropriate. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, is the earlier the better. We can start this process right from the beginning, uh, role modeling and helping and showing children how to go from those heightened emotions of maybe anger or frustration or jealousy or whatever those, you know, negative emotions are and how to bring it back into calm, to joy, to happiness, to lightness. Okay. There's a, you raised a good point there before when you're talking about before baby's born, talking to the baby or playing music to your baby. Uh, we've read and heard about that for many years, but there's obviously a lot of truth in that. And if the mother is calm and the father-to-be, then that does play a real integral role. It actually does. Um, I interviewed um, a lady called, well, uh, an academic Uh, Dr. Monique Robinson, and her area was actually about stress during pregnancy. And what she was able to show was the calmer that we are, and obviously we'll have stress in life. I'm not saying that you have to be calm all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But she showed that, you know, if you've got acute stress, which you then calm down, that's not going to have such a negative impact on, on your unborn baby and their development of their neural pathways, their brain, et cetera. But um, having that prolonged stress all the way through, 
bodies are either in fight or flight or they're in growth and repair. So it can actually impact the the child's ability to be able to manage their own emotions when they come into the world if they don't have all the neural pathways and that calm developed during that that preconception and and then um, pregnancy period. Right. Okay. No, that's that's an interesting one because you do see a lot of pregnant women, or I do even in the local park, and it's almost like they're talking to their unborn baby as they're walking along sometimes, which is really lovely to see. Yeah, absolutely. And growing neural pathways, um, voice recognition, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Very, very helpful. Okay. Now, Rosanna, you've mentioned the five aspects. Perhaps we'll go into them in a bit more detail. Um, And perhaps you could offer practical examples of how they can be developed. So the first one is knowing one's emotions and how to develop the skills. Yeah. So when children are really little, and you know this is true for us as adults too, let's face it, sometimes when you're in an emotion, you're not aware of the emotion. Like you're just so angry, you're you know, out of your mind, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. So it's the same with little ones. So the way to help them become aware, to become present um, is to say things like, if you observe your child is, you know, starting to feel frustrated, you might say something like, sweetie, you seem frustrated. Is that right? I get the feeling you're frustrated or Um, I'm noticing that you're getting angry about this, you know, or you're feeling sad. Let's just stop and check in. Is that right? Or as they get older and they're starting to get that language, you can say to them, I can see you're feeling something right now. What is it? And that's just giving them the opportunity as they grow. So we're scaffolding. So I remember, I'll give you a quick example. When my son was about to start a new school, and we'd been working on languaging his emotions for a long time. And uh, I could see he was a bit, there was something not right. And I said, sweetie, what's going on with you? And he said, I've got this feeling in my stomach, mom. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, I think it's 20%, um, <laughs> I'm 20% worried, but 80% excited about <laughs> starting school today. <laughs> and so that's really important. Can you see how? So if he can distinguish that feeling in his stomach as not just being worried, but being excited as well, then we could say, I said, well, that's great, sweetie, because 80 beats 20 for sure. So we're on the right side of (laughs) that stomach feeling. And what that means is, you know, whereas if he'd said 80% worried and 20% excited, you'd have a different response, right? So the more we can get our children to be aware of their emotions, the the better they're going to be in a position to go, okay, what do I do next? Which is which is the step two, you know. Uh, Just before we go on to that, I do Mm. want to mention one of the things that parents will be seeing a lot of is how uh, playing video games and being online on screens affects their children's emotions. Right. But their children are not going to see that. So one of the ways to help them be aware of that is before your child goes on to a game, just saying to to them, I just want you to check in now before we start the game, just for a moment. How do you feel? Do you feel calm? What's your thinking like? What's your tummy feel like? You know, just tell me a bit about what's going on in your body. And normally they might say, I feel a bit excited or I feel calm or I feel ready or I'm excited about the game. And then at the end, after they've played, you know, half an hour, an hour of especially if it's something that's like shoot them up or whatever, and you ask them again how they feel, 
they might be, I don't want to get off. I'm still playing, you know, mm-hmm. and you can see mm-hmm. this whole different change. Sure. So really helping our kids understand the impact of technology on their emotions by saying to them, check in now. Now, see the difference when we're checking in now, how you feel? Because a lot of kids, we know that one of the things that's really uh, very well um, researched and shown in the, the, the literature is, the research literature is that um, there's a, a link between violent video games and then violent actions, violent thoughts, violent words yeah, afterwards. Yeah. So that, you know, we just really need to be aware and that's one area that I think parents can really help their children know their emotions and be aware of them. Yeah, and we don't really know the impact of new technologies. Uh, I mean, we, we have some idea, but I think in the years ahead, we'll have a better idea of how it's affecting children. It's something that I didn't have to worry about because it wasn't around when I was growing up. No, that's right. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's that's great, Rosita. Uh, the second aspect, um, managing emotions. And you did uh, mention earlier, and I can remember when our children were in the, during their terrible twos, and of course at that age, children can't, process exactly i mean they feel anger so they just get cross and throw a tantrum but it takes a while then to develop those skills of talking about it and why they feel angry and why they you know why they want a biscuit if you want to put it that way absolutely and what we need to do is once they've recognized it they need to be able to change their emotions one of the things that that oftentimes children and even adults if i'm honest don't realize is that we have control over our emotions. Some people will say, you made me angry or, you know, what's happening in the world is making me angry. But actually um, that takes away your power. And I certainly um, wouldn't want to take anybody's power away. Once we understand that we are in a really strong position, sure, after that, you know, initial reaction, maybe you don't have a lot of control over, like something happens and instant shock or instant anger or instant sadness. But then in that period after that, we've got choice. There's a choice point. Do I continue on with that emotion or do I try and change it? Now, that's not to say, and, and I really want to be very clear here, if something bad happens in the world, you're supposed to be angry. You're supposed to be sad. That's what happens when something negative happens. You know, it's not that we're robots and we have to just change our emotions and ignore them or stuff it down. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is after a period of grief, after a period of anger, we need to be able to move on from there. We need to be able to handle and change those emotions to shake off the negative and introduce that positive. Now, I love this. I love this exercise for young children and it's called the emotions game. Right. So first things first, parents need to gather some intel (laughs) and that is watch what's been going on in the last week with the kids, something that's very recent. So it might be, hey, um, you wanted more technology time and I said, no, the one hour is the one hour and then there were things thrown around the room, there were doors slammed, there were you're the worst parent in the world happening. There were all those things, right? So you gather that little bit of intel. Sure. And then a few days later, you might find that we all went for a family picnic or we went and, you know, went to the beach and then after the great day at the beach, we went and had an ice cream on the way home and everyone was happy and getting along and it was awesome. (laughs) And then you might have, you know, I came home from school one day and um, I was trying to do my homework, but it was just so hard. I was so frustrated and I threw the pen and, I wasn't really angry. I was just frustrated. I just can't 
just can't get this math problem or I don't really know how to do it and I'm just, you know, going to quit and give up. So you've gathered all this intel and then you sit the kids down and you say, we're going to play the emotions game. And what that means is we're going to remember events that have happened in this past week and we're going to really try and feel how those events made us feel. And so always start with the negative emotions. And so you start with the, do you remember when you were slamming the door and, you know, saying I'm the worst parent in the world? Do you remember how that felt in your body? And you really get the kids to feel it so that they're aware of what happens when I'm angry. My body gets hot. My fists get clenched. I stamp around the place. I say things I don't mean, or I'm going to say sorry, have to say sorry for later. See, you get get them into that. Yeah. And then you go, okay, all right, let's move on. Let's move on and let's try. Do you remember when you came home from school and you had that maths problem? You're just so frustrated and you slammed the book and you weren't <laughs> angry. We're just frustrated, you know, and it feels like there's something not right and it's not right at the angry scale. It's kind of more in this middle scale. And then you move on. And obviously I'm doing this really quickly. You take your yeah. time to really get this going and then you move on to, Oh, the beach and the ice cream and how light you felt and what a great day it was. So what you've just done is you've moved your children through anger to frustration to happiness and then you've got to reflect. You're going to go, did you notice Mm. that all we had to do was think about an event and we could change our emotions? Thinking about something angry made us get that feeling of anger again. Thinking about something frustrating brought that frustration back. Thinking about something joyful and wonderful and happy brought that back. So what does that mean? Who's in charge of your emotions? It mm. means you are. Yeah. So that's that's how you can start. And this is really good for teenagers too. You don't have to just do it with the young kids. You can have a chat about what happened on social media or the you know uh, with their friendships or you know all those sort of conversations. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent exercise. I wish I'd known about that when my children were young-ish. <laughs> anyway, that's all right. Now, Rosina, recognising emotions in others is aspect three of emotional intelligence. I imagine this would be a hard one because I've, I've met a lot of people in my life who really don't recognise emotions in other people. They sort of lack a bit of empathy, if I can put it that way. So true because, as you know, as we were talking about earlier, if nobody ever taught you to read, you wouldn't know how to read. And, yeah. and it's the same thing with reading emotions. So it's really important when children are very little um, to start to introduce that sensitivity to others because it is a developmental milestone. You know, when when we're little, we only, it's me, it's mine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, hands off. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a grandma um, and um, she was saying to me her little one at the moment is saying, not you, Grammy. <laughs> Only mummy, not yeah. you, Grammy. And again, that's really hurtful, right? Of but course. this child doesn't see that. So that's when conversations like, oh, we don't want to exclude Grammy, sweetie. Grammy will feel very sad if you do that. That's unkind. Mm. So again, what I'm saying is age appropriate. We've got to start helping our children uh, see and be aware of others. Now, you can do it through a book, book characters, you know. Um, I remember one time my son was watching Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm laughing, but it's not funny at all. Yeah. Um, I'm laughing because I'm remembering the memory. But and Thomas the Tank got stuck in a in a cave and couldn't get out. And my son was weeping. He's going, "Mummy, oh. we have oh. to help Thomas." So for <laughs> me, that showed he had empathy. Right? True, true. He had empathy for, for for Thomas. And I said, "Oh, that's so kind of you to care about Thomas." 
don't worry, someone will come and help Thomas. So that's what we're talking about. We can use that. Now for teenagers, oftentimes uh, teenagers, uh, you know, they're going through a very, very challenging time. It's a really big time. And so they might be more self-absorbed and more concerned with their friends and peers than they would be with family and friends, uh, family and uh, uh, family members like parents or siblings. So again, we might point out things like, um, I noticed your dad was really disappointed about not getting the job. Did you notice that? What do you think we could do to show that we love and support him no matter what to make him feel better? You know, that sort of thing. Or you could say things like, when I made this decision about, you know, you going to this party, I wanted you to know that I was considering your feelings. I was thinking about you and how much it meant to you. And so what I'd really like you to do is to understand that I was thinking about you and your, how important it is, but I'd love you to consider how dangerous this feels to me. So okay. can you see how you can start to have these conversations in a loving and caring way rather than you're just so damn self-centered and you yeah. think only about yourself and there's nothing, you know, nobody else matters, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah. really important to be, you know, role modeling and helping with that. Yes, no, they're, they're very good advice, and that sort of brings us to the uh, the next emotion of handling relationships. And this is a difficult one too, because a lot of people do not handle relationships well. So true, and I this uh, I love studying this one when I when I uh, support parents. Is I say to them, I want you to think about this on a scale. I want you to think about the people in your life, or a person in your life who is so easy to be with. Yeah. You know, this, you know, just, you know, you can say anything, do anything, you can be yourself, you can, you know, you're just easy. It's easy. You want to be with them. It's so easy. And then on the other end of the scale, I want you to think about those people that are just so hard to be with. Like, yeah. <laughs> no matter what you say, you, you know, say the wrong thing. No matter how careful you are, you do the wrong thing. No matter, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, what we would call maybe high maintenance or, you know, really <laughs> difficult sort of people. Yeah. So when you look at that, and as an adult, so we're adults trying to manage those relationships. We've got to really have some empathy for our kids who are trying to find their way in the world with people who are going to be really easy and kids who are going to be really hard to get along with, right? So this is where we can talk about share our successes, but be very careful not to say things like, you know, grandma's a real pain and it's really hard to, <laughs> you know, because that's going to come out, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So you just say there are some people in my life that are more difficult and this is how I handle it, right? No names mm. mentioned. No. Um, and we've got to teach things like listening skills, turn-taking, conflict management. When you see the kids fighting with each other, you can say, hang on a sec, let's stop. Let's try and find a peaceful way to resolve this. Is there a you know a better way we can talk about this? Uh, empathy, and of course, my favorite is we didn't call it win-win parenting for nothing, but always looking for win-win solutions, solutions that are good for the people, you know, the kids that are working together, good for the parents, and good for the kids, because otherwise it's going to be win-lose, and yeah. we don't want that. So looking for sure. win-wins. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, life's funny. There are about 12 of us who are close and we catch up regularly, except this year because of the pandemic in Melbourne especially. But uh, there's one person I'd have trouble connecting with. We'll say hello. We're all pleasant. And after about 10 seconds, we've got nothing more to say to each other. And we just move on. It's just funny. So you don't always connect with everyone. That's just life. Exactly. And we need to share that with our kids. Yeah. So they know that it's normal and that's fine. You don't have to be best friends with everyone. Yeah. So true. 
all about respect, though, and uh, that's that's good. Uh, Rosina, finally, there's a motivating oneself. Tell me more about that, please. Now, that's all about, you know, I, I guess I'll just ask you, what's something that you really love to do? Just tell me what, what that is. Me? I love power yeah. walking in the morning around the local park. There you go. Now, if you love to do something, you don't have to motivate yourself to do it. You're already drawn to do it. And, and I True. agree with you. This morning, um, you know, my husband and I, we got up and we walked around. I've got to admit, I had very wet feet at the end of it, but <laughs> it was still very joyful. Um, and that's the thing. So motivating oneself is about being able to get into the flow, to get, you know, outstanding performance by working towards and attaining a goal. So, you know, getting up in the morning, being fit and healthy and saying hello to the world. Um, so what we need to do for our children is to help them identify ways that they can motivate themselves. Now, you know, we oftentimes will talk about homework, right, as something that kids are not generally motivated to sure. do. So there are things that are going to come easily and things that are not going to come so easily. So with motivating oneself, let's try the homework one. Um, one of the things that's most important is to try and get them to have a compelling, if, if even if they can't be compelled about the actual thing they're doing, but to have a compelling goal like, could you do five minutes worth? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the compelling goal is five minutes of math and then we'll go outside and yes. then come back and do maybe 10 minutes. So by actually getting some kind of goal uh, started and then turning that goal into action steps. So, all right, we're going to spend 10 minutes. What does that mean? We're going to open the book. We're going to read the question. We're going to try to answer it. We're going to give it a go. If we're stuck, we're going to get some help. Do you know what I mean? Like action steps that we're going to do. And then if it's a bigger goal, like something like, you know, teaching your kids to say, uh, walk the dog seven days a week or to grow a garden or to do homework. Like that's the goal every day for five days. So we can schedule the activities in the diary, tick them off and monitor progress. Now, the most important thing about motivation is not to look at outcomes, but to look at progress. Okay. If we support progress, like, you know, the, the great example is weight loss. You know, your goal might be to lose weight, but it might take a long time to do that. But what you can do and celebrate is I got up and I walked. I ate more healthily this week. I, you know, drank more water. So you can you can be proud and help, you know, happy with the actions you're taking, which you know eventually yeah. will give you the outcomes you want. So celebrate achievements internally first. Look at yes. me. I've done so well. Yes. And then share it with others. Yeah. And that's a good example of the diet thing. I've never actually thought diets work. You've got to change your whole mindset. It's a whole change of lifestyle, like watching what you eat and exercising, all those sorts of things that uh, everyone talks about. Yeah, exactly right. So, but you can talk about celebrate progress, maybe not the outcomes yet, but they will eventually come. Okay, uh, very good advice. Now, Rosina, um, we're nearly at the end, but perhaps you could recap some of the main points from today's uh, session. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I think. One of the things that I think is most important is that parents are gentle on themselves and gentle with the kids. Emotional intelligence is something that develops over life. And when we look around us in the world and, and you know, look inside, how many times have you lost your temper or felt, you know, down and really, uh, you know, had to pick yourself up and say, no, hang on a sec. I'm lucky. I've got a roof over my head. You know, um, I've got friends and family. So, Emotional intelligence takes time to develop. 
we do it little by little as age appropriate, start as early as possible um, to, to help children have empathy. We have to show empathy to help children manage their emotions. We need to manage our emotions and little by little, you know, connect and develop those strong relationships with our children so that they can come to us whenever we, they need help and we can be there to support them. So yeah. I guess that that'd sum up what I think we've talked about today. Yeah, no, that's excellent. And and from an early age, as you said, I mean, even before baby's born. Exactly. <laughs> good, good way to go. I, I wish I'd known this uh, 25 years ago, but there you go. <laughs> Rosina, Live and learn. <laughs> I know you do. It's probably never too late. Well, in my case it is, but anyway. Uh, Rosina, lovely talking to you. A great first session. I look forward to uh, our future podcast. Yeah, me too. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, as I said, to I think just the ending note is uh, parents have got so much on, always be kind to yourself. And the kinder you are to yourself, the kinder you'll be to the kids. Great advice. Thanks, Rosina. Bye-bye.